From its very beginnings, science fiction has imagined the future, exploring humanity's greatest ambitions and sometimes warning us against potential dangers ahead. As time has gone on, some of those possible futures have moved into reality, like the race to colonise Mars. From NASA to SpaceX, governments and private corporations are working towards this grand mission. Mars is considered our best chance at becoming a multi-planetary species, or in the event that the climate crisis leaves us little choice, our best backup option. But whenever the billionaires might want you to believe, the problems we face here on Earth would ultimately follow us to the red planet. These are the kinds of themes explored in the game Golf Club Wasteland from Demagogue Studio. The game is set on an uninhabitable Earth, which has become a golf course for the ultra-rich. It depicts a rather plausible future, where what's left of humanity has fled to a new colony on Mars named Tesla City, only for its elite residents to make the long and arduous trip back to Earth for a round of golf. That may sound absurd, but the whole concept was inspired by something closer to home, a photo from the real world. And it's an incredible photograph. There is a guy playing golf on a golf green, and the entire background of the photo is a forest fire. So like literally the world is burning and the guy's playing a, a game of golf. And that's where the Golf Club Wasteland idea came is that that's the lengths people would go to to keep themselves entertained and distracted from the reality around them. This is Shane Berry, the audio director at Demagogue Studio. So of course golf became an almost perfect um, medium or metaphor for the elite because um, it always has been seen as an elitist sport. It's an expensive sport to get involved in. Uh, uh, many of the golf courses have questionable ecological impact. So it became a perfect foil for a, a story about what would happen to the people left behind. The game is an observation of, of contemporary life and going, if this guy can play golf in front of a, <laughs> a burning forest fire comfortably, then we, we really have to look at where we're going from this point. And that was where the thought came. Oh, if we had to leave Earth, these guys would come back to play, clearly. <laughs> right? Like, it's, it's writ large. Like, there's a guy playing in a wildfire in the background. He's playing his game of golf. He's going to get his game of golf in. On the surface, Golf Club Wasteland is a simple puzzle-like 2D golf game. But its laid approach to storytelling and world building is where it really shines, using audio to communicate its many narratives. As you play across the ruins of Earth, you're immersed in the soothing sounds of radio nostalgia from Mars. Radio nostalgia from Mars. I'm James Parkinson from Lawson Media. This is Gameplay. Stories about video games and the virtual worlds that power culture and community. The story of Golf Club Wasteland comes from the mind of Igor Simich, the creative director of Demagogue Studio. Igor's background is in art and film, and the initial idea was for more of an art installation than a game. Here's Shane. The game was first and foremost conceived as a work of art. The, the original idea was to have a game that people could play in a gallery setting. 
was the original concept. Not necessarily a game on a platform, but a game like an interactive experience that told the story about climate change and climate catastrophe. Um, so that was the initial seed. This idea ties into the philosophy of constellation storytelling that Igor Simic brings to his work with Demagogue, a multi-narrative, multimedia approach with several points of entry in which to explore a story. Here's Igor giving a presentation at the Game Happens Festival in Italy. The bedrock of the whole project is the world that you build. Then you figure out, okay, what are the stories I want to tell? This story is best told as an audio thing. This story is a film. This can be an augmented reality experience. This can be VR. But you decide on a story that is kind of native to a certain medium. So it was just another way of exploring, telling a story or building a world. Igor and I are firmly rooted in, in filmmaking. That's our background, is making films together, short films and various galleries and things like that. So the approach to Golf Club Wasteman has always been cinematic in approach, always story-driven. Simply the whole game, also I am a filmmaker, so I think in terms of montage, is a single shot going like a dolly shot from left to right. And you've seen probably the film The Birdman. So they hide the cuts by panning to the sky, okay? So we've done the same thing. So the pilot goes like this. And then when we have to shift between levels, the camera shifts to the sky and comes back down. So you get this illusion of a Tarkovsky shot or a Visconti shot. In this case, the interactive medium of video games offered a unique way to explore the story Igor wanted to tell because the player is a participant. While you can experience the general story and enjoy the gameplay, there's also layers of depth to discover if you dig a little deeper. If you seek out this information, then the web of this kind of the meaningfulness of the experience grows. Golf Club Wasteland is built around several themes, including ecology, loneliness, post-humanism, and satire. It tackles things like capitalism, climate change, and Silicon Valley culture. Some of these themes are very overt, while others are more subtle. And the game communicates this story in three ways. So there's a visual story, there's a, a textual story, and then there's an audio story over and above the sound design of the world itself. So the first layer, the visual component, is the golf gameplay itself, as you control the protagonist, Charlie. The main character of the game is this pilot who drove rich people to Mars, but he left his family behind. So he's guilt-ridden, and he didn't fit in with people in Tesla City on Mars, so he convinces them to let him go on a solo trip to revisit Earth. So it's basically an hour and a half, give or take, of gameplay where you revisit his own memories in places, you know, the coffee shop where he had his espresso. The game's environment gives you an insight into the catastrophe that happened on Earth as you navigate the ruins of shopping malls, museums and crumbling monuments. So the first thing is architecture. Brutalism. Uh, I grew up in New Belgrade, which is a very brutalist environment, modernist architecture. Underwritten in modernism is a faith in progress. So it's kind of funny that everything is a disaster while we believed in progress. 
So a lot of the monuments are anti-fascist. So we thought, okay, let's mix anti-fascism and Trump and Jeff Bezos, all of that in the same basket. Golf Club Wasteland also takes inspiration from science fiction. One of the most striking aspects of the game's art are these pink neon signs that you see on the crumbling buildings. They evoke the cyberpunk nature of Blade Runner while riffing on modern culture. Basically imposing Blade Runner on Yugoslav architecture. But the neons would also tell micro-stories. So the neons are memes about Trump, about politics, about American elections, about technology, about uh, Zuckerberg. Uh, one big neon says digi-dopamine, which is basically a mix of digital and dopamine, which is the business model of Facebook. The story also unfolds through text. The loading screens between levels present observations from the perspective of a mysterious onlooker, as it becomes clear our protagonist is being followed. As you progress, you also unlock short diary entries that provide more detail about Charlie's backstory. The biggest component of the storytelling, though, is the game's approach to audio, which is doing so much of the world building. This is achieved by a radio broadcast, RNFM, that plays constantly, Radio Nostalgia from Mars. Radio Nostalgia from Mars. Shane Berry has a background in broadcasting, firstly volunteering at a radio station in Japan, then moving on to music production. So he was able to put those skills to use for the game, including playing the announcer. Hello, all you Martians out there. It's your turn, fixed foot, soul, with a bit of that old world flavor. You're tuned to Radio Nostalgia from Mars. Breathe easy, kick back, and reminisce. And so my, I'm firmly rooted in making radio shows and making jingles. Uh, that's my, that was my bread and butter in the early days. And of course, then I moved into live performance and live techno production. So when all of that came together and speaking with Igor, Igor knowing my skill set as a radio producer and as a live performance producer and as a DJ, it kind of made sense that we would lean into the strengths of what we do best. Combining music, announcements and audio stories from the inhabitants of the Mars colony, the radio program serves as the perfect storytelling tool. It's a great way of um, telling a story why people can do other things. And in a gameplay, what better way to tell a story than to just listen to a radio show because you don't have to interact with it. Because there were original um, uh, concepts to have the radio have dials, like, you know, um, similar to Bioshock 2, where you find those little radio things lying around and interacting with them. That was one of the original ideas. But it just didn't work on that sense because now you had to do something with the radio and it became a little bit too tactile. So this kind of hovering narrator in the background, just this non-interactive thing, feeding this information into the show um, almost subliminally in a way because of the kind of ASMR approach to the vocals, lent itself to this um, world and to this philosophy of identity and nostalgia. And the radio is kind of obsolete in in the face of streaming. So everything is layer upon layer of nostalgia within nostalgia within mediums, within mediums, radio, in the game, art, in the game, which one is now superseding which. So it was very interesting to explore that. And we were very conscious of that from the very beginning. Speaking of savoring things, the health and well-being department would like us to remind you that the popping and fizzing noise your dried food makes when you're adding water is perfectly normal and does not mean it has gone off or is contaminated. 
Radiant Aselja from Mars is diegetic, meaning it's part of the game world itself and can be heard by the characters. Initially, I wanted the radio show to be inside Charlie's helmet and unlistenable. I wanted it to be distorted and, and you could hear that there was a radio show, but you couldn't hear it and somehow maybe unlocked it later on in gameplay. But it, of course, it didn't work. The, the radio show is an integral part of the storytelling in the, in the game. So we, we hinted at the diegetic nature of the audio by blocking it out when you go underground. Submit your report and apply which for a lot of people has been a moment of like, whoa, like the radio show is in his helmet. So a, a lot of people only get it, I think, around the second or third time of hearing the radio show that the lyrics are, are, are explicitly about the world and about what's going on. And so every song is tailor-made for the radio show. It's all original music. Like it's not just a random songs that are just going on in the background. It's actually tied to what you're experiencing. The whole tone of the radio show and its role in the game world is also very purposely crafted. We had very long conversations about this, and there is a lot of thought into this. Um, there, there's a lot of um, philosophy around the radio and its role in society. One can look at the role of radio in war. There's lots of interesting stories about, um, for example, um, the birth of magnetic tape where the Allies couldn't figure out how the Germans were listening to pristine orchestral recordings at 3 a.m. in the morning. And they kind of reverse engineered that they somehow they had found a way of recording live performances and playing it back at almost pristine uh, recall. And they didn't know how they were doing it. They were At that time, I think they were recording onto piano wires, magnetizing piano wire. So there's this long history of radio being this simultaneous mystery and purveyor of information. So like sometimes what's not being said is as powerful as what's being said. Want to keep that blood pumping? Remember, exercise is mandatory. No groans, no bones. And mental exercise is just as important. So get on down to your local rec center for a dose of mental The original brief, I actually have it in front of me here. Igor is, is very, very, very eloquent. So he just sat down and he said, I want to create a realistic Mars-based radio station complete with original interstitials, music, and radio content. It must be adverts, news, sports, and weather reports. That was his brief. And then he said the overall tone of the station is nostalgia with a retro-future soundtrack inspired by artists such as Kavinsky, M83, Anderson Park, and so on. That, that is literally what he wrote to me. So the vision was very clear from the outset. It was also important that the world remained grounded, so the practicalities of things like space travel and the distance between Earth and Mars were considered when developing the story. Shane made a conscious decision not to include any references to time in order to keep things simple. Time is a killer in terms of experience and emotion. The less time references that you have in terms of hard timeline can become quite a barrier to exploring that world. Of course, uh, the, the Martian calendar is extremely complex. So I do make a joke about that. I do poke fun at that by trying to explain the Martian calendar that's been used. And it's so convoluted. And I'm just saying, don't worry, it's easy. You'll get it. That's kind of like the end joke of, and that's a reference in itself to the lack of time within the game because it just became so complicated. So the, the, everything becomes self-referential. There does seem to be some confusion about scheduling based on the new double month standard, but it's really quite simple, guys. There are now 24 months in our year, and there are two of each month, January 1 and January 2, February 1 and February 2, and so on. Each month is now 28 souls long, except for every 6th month, which is 27 souls long. 
I hope that clears up the situation. Any further queries in writing, please, can be submitted directly to the Mars Coalition for the simplification of the Martian calendar. <laughs> Golf Club Wasteland is full of references, from science fiction literature to internet culture and the modern space race, which anchors the story and its dystopian setting. Both the information you're receiving and how it's being delivered is all part of the world building that's captured by RNFM. What is unsaid in most of the game is that it's not a military operation to get into space, which is what we're kind of brainwashed or kind of been led to believe that uh, human exploration of space will be militarized. And that's clearly not what's happening um, with Bezos and um, these multi-billionaires making their way into low Earth orbit. And so we very clearly, or not so clearly, depending on how you look at it, have a corporate structure on Mars. So there isn't a mayor, there isn't a president, there's a CEO of Mars. For the record, corporate does not endorse or advocate the use of psychedelic drugs and reminds you, dear listeners, that Class A drugs are just as illegal here on Mars as they were on Earth. And so layered within that is a corporation called OMAS, which is a play on the Brave New World, Aldous Huxley, Soma, which is the drink that placates the elite. Um, So we have one called OMAS, which is a play on zero mass, which is a play on the lack of gravity, which is what drives everybody to go and play golf on Earth. So again, layers within layers. And in that, they become the sponsor of the show. And in that is the explicit reality that they are being medicated to survive on Mars. In the interim, teams are encouraged to take advantage of the half-ration special on OMAS, the delicious and relaxing drink that takes the edge off of everything. And hence the tone of the show is, hey guys, everything's fine, just relax, you know, don't revolt, don't really look at the world that you're living in right now, you know, look back, experience the now through the past. And all is good. So there's definitely an aspect of propaganda to the show. And that's where the tone came from. Stories, memories, the good old days, original sources, authentic tales, hope, inspiration, drama. Radio Nostalgia from Mars. In contrast to some of the serious themes of the game, the sound design is quite the opposite. Here's Eagle. The sound design is very kind of um, slapsticky. So our character doesn't speak. So when he walks, it creates a funny sound. So it's a kind of Buster Keaton, silent movie humor. So when I saw the way that Charlie lands, I mean, the animator just nailed the weight of of his like apathy in a way, you know, when he just flops onto the ground and he walks over to the ball and he, that, that plodding motion. Finding a halfway point between the absurdity of the premise of the game, the relative seriousness of the radio show, and balancing that, as you say, with almost a a cartoonish or comical kind of sound design, that's brief from Igor. uh, And it's something that we discussed at length, where it was, again, plausible sound design, but leaning more towards the comical, uh, cartoonish, for sure, because it just lent itself to the character who himself is very cartoonish. He's, he, he, he lands and behaves like a cartoon character. After the break, the storytelling behind the music of Golf Club Wasteland. Plenty more to come into Soul Show. 
a show packed with stories and music to remind ourselves of where we are and how far we've come. One of the things I'm most proud of about Gameplay is the wonderful community of listeners that's formed around the show. I love hearing directly from people like you on social media or email and reading all the great reviews on Apple Podcasts. But I also love hanging out and talking games on the Gameplay Discord. It's a friendly and welcoming space and it's open to everyone. So come and join us, head to gameplay.co and click on join our Discord. See you there. Okay, on with the show. Well, we've had a few requests for some classical music, and boy do I have a double treat for all you classical and vinyl lovers out there. A genuine record playing off an actual record player on loan from a dedicated RNFM fan. So grab a tube of OMAS, sit back, and enjoy some chill neoclassical vibes with that warm vinyl sound right here on Radio Nostalgia from Mars. Shane Berry produced about two hours of audio for Radio Nostalgia from Mars, including all the announcements, stories, the jingles or station IDs, and the music. The main theme for the game is Take My Hand, featuring the artist Anna Turchin. Take my hand, explain to me This project called humanity So Take My Hand came from Igor wanting us to do a lullaby. And it was originally uh, like a twinkle, twinkle, little star kind of melody that I had come up with uh, using a very prototype version of the lyrics. And then we handed that to Anna Churchin. It's technically a remix of a song that existed in the 2030s. So that's about the only place where we have a, a, a vague timeline of going on. It's that that's nostalgia, not for our time, but a time between now and the future is what the radio show is referencing. That cataclysmic transition from Earth to Mars. And this was the first song that sets the tone. It refers to the project of humanity, which is exactly what the Mars experiment would be. It would, it would be an experiment. I mean, there's no hard facts of how it will work out there. It will will always be an experiment in the first couple of years. Anna Churchin also features on another track called Two Astronauts. A Russian and an American work together in space A very different sight from the Cold War arms race that's basically just two, um, two astronauts, an American and a Russian, arguing in space about philosophy and life and effectively breathing the same air. Argued about art, values and international relations to astronauts. Again, a layer upon layer is that's exactly what we're doing on Earth, just it's much bigger down here than up in a space capsule. 
So yeah, it's that just that comment, social commentary on on differences being irrelevant when you're in tight spaces and how how people would react socially and philosophically and culturally to one another being in a cramped space. So it's like already not even on Mars they were arguing, but still somehow cooperating. Another track, Surveillance Love Song, was adapted from a short film Igor made called Our Guardians, and the story behind it felt like it existed in this world. Right. How about a 21st century love song remixed for the 22nd? Who's watching who? Espionage or true love? I guess we'll never really be quite sure. So the lyrics, again, we found were exactly appropriate to what would be happening on Mars. I, in the radio interstitials, I, I kind of joke that you have no choice but to tell them what you're doing and, you know, everything's recorded and you're being watched all the time, which is, that's how it would have to be done. So yeah, that, that was basically perfectly encapsulates not only a possible future, but exactly what's happening right now. This alienation, this animosity, this ambiguity of, of love and, and relationships and experiences. So it's simultaneously contemporary and futuristic at the same time. But do remember that all conversations are monitored and recorded for security reasons, and you must have your ID badge and sectional access pass visible at all times. Radio Nostalgia from Mars. Elsewhere, the song Creatures of the World reflects on life on the Red Planet. A lot of people resonate with that, uh, simply because of the lyrics, the cold, skyless dome, um, a man you know, pining for love and for attention in a, you know, a steel dome, which is effectively life on Mars condensed into poetry. If you're listening closely to the lyrics, you'll pick up on the many layers of meaning and references behind them. But a more overt aspect of the world building are the stories that are interwoven with the music, where you hear directly from the inhabitants of Tesla City. Our first caller for the show calls it like it is, and was, a hard-hitting look back at the last days on Earth from the perspective of a shrewd businessman and loving father. Stories. There was a certain charm to the reality that that's what would happen. People would read, be reading their notes. They would be reading their feelings, and it would be a little bit stilted because they're on the phone to, you know, they're on Mars. So there was a whole lot of things where, again, the plausibility became, became a non-issue. It was like, that, that's how it would be. I worked in oil brokering gasoline to be exact it's a strange business uh, probably not like you would actually imagine it to be um, that's all Igor's writing and his um, extensive reading and his extensive uh, references to literature and to movies and to plays. Where I come in is more of shaping the science fiction world building. So the stories that I contributed uh, were more of like a, a factual world building, like of what was happening when they were fueling the aircraft. Like those people have stories. And that's the, the Irish kid who gets to Mars by mistake. And that answered a couple of questions in terms of world building is who actually does get to Mars? Because the global elite need people to help them. They can't, they don't exist in a bubble. So they would take people that are not elite with them. So effectively a class system would emerge on Mars as well. 
and that invariably there some people will just get there by sheer luck. I nearly missed the book to Mars. I mean, the rumours about something big happening in Alphaville have been floating for a few years, and of course it was impossible to separate fact from fiction. At that time, I barely made it through insurgent territory to this floating ghetto about an hour away from Alphaville by motorboat. Also, the reality of the people that would be sacrificed for these uh, absurd thing to take place to escape the world. People would there would be countless people left behind, and countless people, you know, just used to get what the the ultra rich want, which is commentary on what's happening right now in the world. To be honest, of shipping data, a monkey could understand. Imports into Alphaville were off the charts, while exports had zeroed out. And um, then I thought it would be interesting, you know, to have someone that doesn't reminisce about, you know, the forests and the whales and everything, like that the desert is a very key aspect of life on, on the planet. So I thought it would be funny to have this kind of bonkers, little slightly crazy earth geologist down on the South Pole of Mars, you know, ranting about how people don't respect the desert anymore, even though they're living on one of the biggest deserts in the solar system, you know. There's a humor there, but there's also a commentary on, you know, um, that it was the desert that is helping us to understand what it's like to live on Mars. Some of the, the Mars habitats are out in the Gobi Desert. As a geologist, it always annoyed me that the color of Earth conservation was green. Seen from space, the majority of the Earth's surface is blue, with the remaining 29% for land. And of that land, deserts make up one-third of the land surface area, sweeping burns of ochre, rust and gold. Green! Give me a break. Sometimes the stories and music are connected in a way that adds even more weight to the narrative. Like the character Merva, who reminisces about her teenage clubbing days on Earth, which is followed by the DJ playing her favourite song called Repetition. Okay, disclaimer out of the way, we actually have a surprise for Merva. We tracked down that weird song in her head and dug it out of the archives for all to hear. Grab a tube of Omas and enjoy the ride while sipping on pure calm. Repetition, again, is where we, we play with diegetic and tie the soundtrack to the world. Most people are realizing that the radio show is a very important part of the game by around the time Creatures of the World hits. It, it becomes obvious that the soundtrack is just more than music playing in the background, that it, there is a story evolving. And then by the time Repetition hits or you've reached the level in the, the nightclub and Repetition is playing in the nightclub, uh, the story before Repetition is Merva talking about hearing that in a nightclub we, st- we, we really anchor the soundtrack into the game at that point, which is all deliberate. And that's all Igor's input. He's like, okay, let's have a nightclub level. And in that nightclub, the, the soundtrack is playing. And then it's very clear that, you know, this was music that was on earth at the time of the catastrophe. On completion of the main story mode, you'll unlock a graphic novel that gives you further insight into the world and Charlie's personal story. Some questions are left unanswered though, which is fitting for a game that gives you a lot to think about, given the observations it's making. Essentially, the, the ideas that, I, that um, are there, the exploration of the world, the problems that would be faced by people living on Mars, regardless of their, their status, um, is pretty as authentic as I could make it within the absurdity of the premise. We did think of, of going like full-on Douglas Adams or Terry Pratchett, you know, like kind of full-on comedy. But it turned out that if we, when we lent in that direction from a storytelling point of view, it ended up being too absurd. 
and it kind of lost the pathos that was necessary to get this emotion across because it's pretty serious content at the end of the day. And at least from my side, writing the script, I realized that there was enough absurdity already <laughs> that if you just spoke about the realities of living on Mars, they're absurd already. You don't have to make them any more crazy than they are. That the problems are enormous and funny. So these mundane things uh, that the global elite generally can avoid by having servants and stuff, they meet square on by escaping the reality here. It condenses the reality on Mars. They have to worry about where to pee and where to poo, and they have to worry about recycled water, things that, you know, that they had tried to escape. And that laid the groundwork for being serious but tongue-in-cheek. And inside that is an observation. And, and that, that is what we're exploring, the observation that come what may, people will be selfish and will, you know, attempt to entertain themselves. And then uh, entertainment is where the radio show. So it kind of all loops back in on itself. How would they entertain themselves? Oh, they would be nostalgic for that time. You know, they would think back, oh, it was much, life was much better on Earth. But they were always complaining when they were here. So what really changes if we move to Mars? The, the word that kind of underpins the whole game is irreverence. So there was an irreverence to the situation going, yeah, the problems don't leave when we leave. They follow us. They're going to follow us to Mars. Demagogue Studios' storytelling approach embraces many art forms. While Golf Club Wasteland The Game exists on its own, they also released the entire RNFM radio program as an album, so it's almost presented as a concept album or radio fiction. Three animated music videos or short films were also published on YouTube, and Igor Simic has ambitions of developing Golf Club Wasteland into an animated Netflix series. Outside of the digital world, Igor even created real-life versions of the game's pink neon signs, which have been featured in various gallery installations under the project Wasteland Neons. So my idea was let's have five neons shedding their pink light onto everyone so that it kind of all looks like a bordello. Um, so uh, here you have Ministry of Loneliness, uh, but LOL, laughing out loud, is shining. So there is an actual department in the UK government for loneliness. Uh, Weltschmerz is this German word that suggests this kind of melancholy. In face of the suffering of the world and your inability to do anything about it. There aren't too many games that directly address the climate crisis and speak to the issues of contemporary society. But for me, Golf Club Wasteland has really made me think about the world we live in and the possible futures that lie ahead. Climate change is a divisive issue for some people and they've reacted negatively towards the game. But Shane is very clear that they're not preaching here. We are simply using existing contemporary assets and recontextualizing them in this absurdity. And the absurdity itself is plausible. And some people, like the way people are reacting to the game says more about them than it does about the game, right? Because there's such a, there's so much density involved in what's being presented in the game that, yeah, yeah, it is a golf game. Of course it is. And it's, uh, people tend to forget that Charlie is not a great golf player. He's an amateur, right? So just bear that in mind when you're playing it. There's, there's a depth there as well to consider. 
So the commentary is more like looking at the contemporary world and, and you know, just making science fiction out of it. But it, it isn't really. <laughs> it's not science fiction. <laughs> and again, we didn't, we, we were very conscious of not leaning into like Armageddon porn, as, as we were saying. It's like, it's, n it's not about celebrating or, or, or wishing this happens. It's just simply, it is happening. This is an observation. And at this point, if you want to be on the optimistic side of things, it, it is technically, I wouldn't say reversible, but there is stuff we can do about it for sure. But if we don't do something about it, you're going to go play golf in a wasteland for sure. If you're one of the lucky ones. <laughs>Thanks so much to Shane Berry from Demagogue Studio. And thanks also to the Game Happens Festival. All the audio you heard from Igor Simic comes from his Game Happens presentation on Constellation Storytelling. Golf Club Wasteland was initially released for iOS and Android in 2018. It's now available for PC, PlayStation, Xbox and Nintendo Switch. Each copy of the game also includes a digital version of the soundtrack. Gameplay is a production of Lawson Media. This episode was written and produced by me, James Parkinson. The gameplay theme was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. Our artwork is by Keegan Sanford, and you heard select tracks from the Golf Club Wasteland soundtrack and additional music from Epidemic Sound and Breakmaster Cylinder. You can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Gameplay Podcast. You can also join our community on Discord, and the best way to help the show grow is to share it with a friend. You'll find all the links, episode transcripts, and further reading on our website, gameplay.co. Until next time, thanks for listening.